Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what is going on? This is your boy, Highlight Real, a.k.a. The Prince of Botch. Oh, my gosh. Man, I thought my, I thought I was, I, I was animated. Boy, did I think I was animated. I thought I was animated in the preview show, in the post show. Oh, my gosh. What did I just watch, people? What did I just watch? Oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to say right now. I am I am at just a an amazing set and loss of words right now, y'all. Like, I'm really, really trying my best to just not go off too hard on y'all. But I got to do it. I was one of those, man, you know, I didn't want to complain. I try not to complain at anything WWE does. Let me just first and foremost start off on positive notes and say I commend WWE for what they're doing with allowing the show to go on. I get it. The show must go on. Give people something to take their mind off of the current situation and what the world's going through. I get it. I even commend them for the fact that they did a well-organized show. Literally. Top to bottom, matches weren't that lengthy. It's only 10 o'clock right now compared to last year's WrestleMania where it went literally into the next day. I mean, this doesn't seem all that bad. But it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Okay, now, there, had, there were positives. I'm not I'm not a negative guy and y'all know me. It had its positives. But boy, did it have some cheesy cheesy moments and did it have its its negative moments as well. Like I'm trying to give you guys a great balance here. So, it doesn't seem like I'm coming off all negative like like typical fans or IWC fans or any of that. Just trying to give y'all the straight edge, the truth. While also kind of being, you know, fair, because again, I commend every superstar that went out there knowing this is the biggest event of their career. This is what they work hard for, put their bodies on the line for, and to do this all in front of nobody in attendance, except for just millions of people watching at home, to be able to do this literally just in attendance. By yourself, with no fan interaction whatsoever. I am not going to lie to you. I commend every single superstar. Heads up for that. Okay? I do. I commend every single superstar for that alone. But oh my goodness. What the heck did I just watch, people? What did I watch? Man, what am I going to start with? Oh my gosh. What, what can I start with? I'm just going to go completely randomized order. I'm not even going to really just go or match for match. I mean, I'm just I'm just going to talk to y'all about what really stood out to me on tonight because as a whole with this show, I'm not going to lie. This is going to go down in WrestleMania history, in WWE history as the weirdest most possible forgettable WrestleMania ever. It'll be remembered for a lot of the wrong reasons. It definitely will. It's going to be remembered for a lot of the wrong reasons, people, because this right here, um, oh my gosh, awkward is not even a word to describe the things that I felt upon watching this show tonight. You know, Again, going positive and negative with this, it's cool to hear the physicality. It is real cool to hear the trash talk. It is real cool. You know, there were moments like like in the ladder match, the triple threat ladder match, I heard Jimmy Uso literally talking trash like, yeah, smash that boy's face in. Smash it in like a pancake. And they had me cracking up because it was dope. Like he was talking real cash money trash in the middle of a match. It was dope to hear that because even with a live crowd you can hear trash talk sometimes but not as openly as you do in these no fan in attendance 
independence type shows. So I will give credit where credit is due. The talent worked hard. They did what they could do with what they had. But that's about where I, I, I stopped. Because after that, this is the importance of having fans in attendance. At the end of the day, WrestleMania really should have just been postponed. You could have taken this moment to give wrestlers what they deserve, which is an offseason. Let some of them rest up, heal up. I get that it disappointed a lot of the, the, the actual talent. And I get that Vince, you know, lost out on a lot of money and he wanted to keep, you know, that's his baby. WrestleMania is his baby. He wants to keep the show going. I get all of that. But what better time than now to have said you could have held this until the summer, June, July. Or you could have combined SummerSlam with WrestleMania. There's a a lot of things you could have did in this instance. You did not have to force WrestleMania. And that's exactly what this felt like. It felt so forced and cringy. You know, it was crazy, man. Like, I couldn't believe what I was actually watching with my own true eyes right now. I could not believe what I was watching. Like, guys, you have to understand here. You have to understand. When you're used to something for so many years. Me, myself, guys, I've been on this earth for about 30 years now. 30 years. And never, never have I ever witnessed a WrestleMania in the likes of this. Never. I've never seen a WrestleMania. Never did I ever think I would see a WrestleMania. I never thought I would see a WrestleMania in this type of fashion. No fans, no pyro, no, <laughs> I mean, you know, no live performances, no, I, I, really no backstage segments. I mean, this was just, it was, it was empty, empty, <laughs> you know, it was, it was very, very empty. Can I honestly give y'all the thoughts that were going through my head upon watching this show today? I really came with an epiphany, and, and, and it hit me. I tweeted this, and I got a real dope response from people. And it wasn't meant to come off as funny, but I'm glad people thought it was funny, because I really, really meant it. WWE should have pulled the card from the playbook of the Atlanta Falcons organization. To my football fans out there, do you remember the year when Atlanta supposedly got in trouble by the NFL for having extended extra crowd noise on top of the real-life crowds that they had, and they added extra sound to throw off teams and stuff like that? I thought to myself, why couldn't WWE have just did that? Even if you didn't do it for the Raws and the SmackDowns, why couldn't you have just done that for WrestleMania at least how hard is it? In that performance center, you're not going to tell me these folks don't have any speakers. PA speakers. I remember in the Attitude Era, they used to have floor monitors inside of the ring. You're not going to tell me they couldn't just have some type of speakers in the crowd playing crowd noise just to give it a feel of a WrestleMania, you know? Like with audio crowd noise you know it's not hard literally go on youtube and i promise for like a full hour two hours three hours they've got crowd noises galore then you're not gonna tell me wwe that you don't have audio footage of all the different chants like the yes chants the what chants the this is awesome chants the holy ish chants don't tell me you don't have audio recordings and compilations of all of those. I know you got sound bites of those chants. You could have just had crowd noise going on, and then you could have had your O's and your O's and your eyes and your and your chants, your, your famous chants that get used all the time, and you could have just incorporated all of that in an audio playlist of some sort. Now, I know that sounds... I mean, to, a, to superstars, that might sound a little bit prideful 
But come on, you don't think that would have hyped up some of the some of the performers? You don't think it would have hyped them up that much more, knowing that there was at least some crowd noise, even if it was just automated? Cause I mean, think about it, fellas, ladies, gentlemen, think about it. Audio crowd noise, okay? Having audio crowd noise somewhere in the background of this entire show. You're not going to tell me that wouldn't have made this a little bit more watchable? Just a little bit. I mean, again, it's one thing to not do it for SmackDown and Raw, albeit you could have done it for those shows too. At least for WrestleMania. At least for WrestleMania. You couldn't give audio crowd noise just to give us that imaginary feel, even though we know, because we're not stupid, so we know nobody's there. Obviously, that's audio. But still, it at least would have kind of gave it a feel to where it wouldn't just sound so quiet. So where all you're just hearing is physicality, trash talk, and that's it. You know what I mean? So that's just my opinion. I feel like that's something someone in creative or Vince McMahon or somebody could have done. And Vince or whoever, don't tell me that you have never done that before. Because do I have to refer you to that Royal Rumble match that you had between Mankind and The Rock and how The Rock beat the duty out of Mankind to the point where it was an I quit match and Mankind never really uttered the words I quit and it was very voice automated? You could have did the same similar thing with a crowd and full attendance. But nope, you didn't do it. Instead, we had to just watch and feel cringe and 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 very awkward at the fact of like, man, there is literally no crowd in attendance. So that's kind of my two cents on the crowd side of things. I really felt like you could have did that. I, I think about when Daniel Bryan came out and he came out with Drew Gulak. You had Gronkowski and Mojo Riley up there on the little, you know, balcony. And, you know, shouts out to those guys. I mean, I guess they tried their best to kind of give some little... I heard some hand claps every now and then. They tried. But even then, it just didn't, it didn't feel the same. Again, automated voice sound effects would have probably made that more realistic in my view. I'm just saying. But all in all, I'm not going to just crap completely on this. Part one, overall, I'm just saying this, this show really just didn't feel like WrestleMania. It didn't. It felt too awkward. It really felt too awkward to me. I, I could not fully get into it. Like, I watched it, but I didn't fully get into it. You know, like, it was so hard to t- take away the fact, like, yo, there's no crowd here right now. And I'm hearing commentary and, you know, it, it was what it was, people. It was what it was. Now, all of that being said, though, I will say this. There were positives, again, because what stood out about tonight was the match between Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. At first, I was about to get pissed because I thought they were really going to end that match in the form of a DQ. And I said to myself, you're not really going to do that on a WrestleMania, are you? You're not that lame, I know. And, And then all of a sudden, I don't know how, but Kevin Owens is able to restart a match, apparently. I didn't know wrestlers could do that. I for sure used to think once a decision was made, that was kind of it. But okay, somehow, some way, I guess since there's no general manager or any head-in-charge figure, of course, Kevin Owens can just say, yeah, we're going to restart the match, and it's a no-DQ. I don't know why you couldn't have just made it a no-DQ match in the first place. It is what it is. Kevin Owens had a dope spot where he ran off of the WrestleMania sign on the stage, and he did a nice little dive on Seth Rollins through the table. A very cool moment. Yet, nonetheless, again, people, this is where I said audio crowd noise would have probably benefited from this. 
in doing that, even with no live crowd in attendance, if you had a audio fake crowd noise in the background, that would have probably made that moment more epic and more memorable. No one's really going to remember that. You may see it in his highlight reel in the future, 10 years down the line, five years down the line, you never know. But it still just doesn't feel the same because there was no crowd to react to what Kevin Owens did. He put his body on the line to no fan reaction. Literally all of that had to play probably in his head while he did that high-risk dive. And I don't know what it is about Kevin Owens, but man, that guy really knows how to run off of things and just do epic dives, doesn't he? It's kind of cool. I'm pretty sure that's going to get a meme or a gif some kind of way, shape, or form, just like his last dive, you know, when he did the whole running off of the raw ramp and he kind of did what he did. So, yeah, it is what it is. Now, we kick off the show with the Kabuki Warriors going against Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross. I'm going to be real with you guys. I didn't really pay much attention to the match. What I did pay attention to was my girl Asuka and the fact that she was just yelling in Japanese and talking trash in Japanese. I love when that woman talks trash in Japanese because it just always seems to be incredibly hilarious. Nobody can talk trash in Japanese and sound so funny and charismatic than Asuka, you know? So to see that was kind of cool. Uh, but aside from that, woohoo, whoop de doo We got new tag team champions. Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, a team with no real name. They're just Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, two-time women's tag team champions. Once again... These titles have been proven that they are a joke. They don't take them seriously anymore. They didn't take them seriously to begin with, and it is what it is. End of story. From there, we go to Baron Corbin and Elias. Baron Corbin, what, 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 what more is there really to say about the guy? Do we really care? No, we don't. We don't care about a fake king talking fake trash. Even though he does a very good job at what he does. I'm not going to lie on that. He does a very good job. The man is one hell of a heel. That's about it. And then he lost to a guy who... What, 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 what has Elias really done? What has he done? What will he do? Is he going to do anything? No. Yet, he won the match. So that just buried Corbin even more to where I'm pretty sure at this point he's even more of a joke than he ever really was. And that's not to say Elias is any better because guess what? He's in pretty much a joke too. Gimmick wrestlers with gimmicks don't seem to do that well. Just saying. But it is what it is. And so... I really just want to sum up and really just kind of go, like I said, I'm in no particular order here. I'm going off of what really stood out to me. And yes, I'm going to get to the Boneyard match to those wondering. I will give my thoughts on that very, very, very soon. But the triple threat ladder match. Let me uh, chop my thoughts on that for a minute. That was a match. That was a ladder match with... Not, not really any tag teams. It was just one representative one representative of each tag team. So think to yourself, if you're Jey Uso, if you're Big E, if you're The Miz, all three of you literally just missed out on one of the biggest events of your career. Now, this triple threat match wasn't half bad. I see why they went with the options that they went with. I see why they went with Kofi instead of Big E. You know, Kofi's the high flyer of the group. I get it. Same thing with John Morrison. We know what he can do. And both of the Usos, really, they kind of cancel each other out in a way. So I guess in the case of Jimmy, he must be the oldest. So maybe that's why they went with him. I don't know. But, yeah. It was a pretty solid match. It was cool. I just, it was very difficult to try to get into a ladder match with, with no crowd. 
what really makes gimmick matches like ladder matches, what makes them what they are, is the crowd. WrestleMania 17, for example, TLC3. Can you guys really try to picture that WrestleMania match? The Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. Try to picture that classic match with no crowd. Picture Jeff Hardy getting speared from Edge, who was on a 20-foot ladder while Jeff Hardy is dangling like 14 feet. And the spear that he gave Jeff Hardy. Imagine that with no crowd. Tell me how you feel. Exactly. And that's how I feel. Looking at this triple threat ladder match, it was straight. It was cool. It had some cool spots. All of the gentlemen in it were very talented, and they did what they could do with what they had. But there was no crowd. So again, the importance of no crowd signifies that you couldn't even really get into a gimmick ladder match. You see what I mean? So I'm not being negative when I say this. I'd be like, I'm trying to say it the way that I'm sure a lot of you guys are probably feeling. Now, some of you may say, well, hey, wait a minute, Highlight. Hold on. Let's just enjoy and be grateful for what we have. Don't get it twisted. I am. It felt good to watch part one of a mania. It didn't feel like mania. It felt like I was just watching a show that had a WrestleMania logo. Because WrestleMania is WrestleMania when you have a full-fledged crowd. When you don't have a crowd, it's it's a house show or, or a rehearsal, tryout, something. I don't know. Right along those lines. And yes, we've had matches that have been empty arena matches before. The Rock and Mankind, Kurt Angle and Sting. You know, there have been those type of matches before. However, it's just a one-match deal where the other matches on the card have a crowd. You see what I mean? So it, it, it's, it's tough, really, trying to review this show. But I watched it solemnly because I got to bring y'all the content, man. I got to let y'all know how I feel, where I'm coming from. And maybe some of y'all are coming from. Being the voice, being a voice, you know what I mean? So I had to definitely watch the show, give my thoughts on it, let y'all know what I'm coming from with it. Now... Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn for the IC Championship. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty disappointed in that match. I thought that match was going to be a show stealer. Speaking of show stealer, I like to mess with Michael Cole for a second because I can't believe he allowed Vince McMahon and creative to feed him the BS line about that triple threat ladder match and have the nerve to say that match of part one was the show stealer. That, that match. Yet right now, if you go on Twitter, because I know I'm scrolling through my Twitter, and as I scroll through my Twitter, literally, I'm hearing everyone talk about the Boneyard match. Not once am I hearing many people talk about the latter match. The other trending thing that I've heard people on my timeline talking about was this, the Kevin Owens spot. You see what I'm talking about, people? Maybe if you had a crowd and you had all three full tag teams, yeah, maybe it would have stole the show at that point. Now, again, that match definitely had some cool spots. It did. However, it was not a show stealer. So I'm mad that Michael Cole really had the audacity to say that. Now, going back to Drew, you know, I'm sorry, Drew Gulak. Going back to Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn, I really thought that was going to be a show stealer in a, in a technical standpoint, you know, because both of those guys, I don't recall really seeing them go at it much. They've gone at it a few times. Uh, and, and, you know, I recall they've always had some good chemistry before, before. So I thought, hey, no better time than now to have a really dope match. Now I get it. Sami Zayn hasn't really taken many bumps since last year or whenever. But I don't see see how you couldn't let him go full force against Daniel Bryan this year. Like, 
You know what I mean? Half of that match, or the majority of that match, was him running away, trying to avoid Daniel Bryan. When they finally did get a little physical, it was like, all right, cool. But it never really, to me, it never really reached the point where it was like back and forth kind of action. And I think the, 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 the you know, the, the a company, you know, having Cesaro and Nakamura and Drew Gulak, I think that kind of took away something. And it was what it was. I was disappointed. Sami Zayn is still your IC champ. Good for Sami Zayn. You know, good for Sami Zayn. Um, let's see here. Shayna Baszler. Let's talk Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I low-key really thought Shayna Baszler was going to kind of win this match. However, I'm not surprised that she lost this match. A, because she's probably not ready on a main roster sense. B, if you recall, that long ago, it wasn't that long ago, didn't Vince say himself that he was not high on Shayna Baszler and he kind of like was about to change the plans on her and go with someone else to go against Becky at Mania? So there's that. B, some people like Shayna, some people hate Shayna. Some people are kind of like, eh, on Shayna. Therefore, are you really surprised? Are you really surprised that Becky Lynch beat Shayna Baszler? No, I'm not. Yet alone, she did it cleanly. There was no controversial finish. None of that. I mean, part of me almost thought maybe it would have ended in a controversial way, keep a few going, but no. Becky legit beat Shayna. So there's nothing really further to do at that point. Now she can just brag and say, I've beaten everybody. Yeah, sure, they'll probably have a rematch, assuming, you know, WWE is still doing shows by then because with the lockdown and everything and the quarantining, I don't really know if you can. Truth be told, I'm kind of surprised they were able to have Becky Lynch in this match. When I think about it, it's a blessing that they were able to get that because I would have thought she would have been stuck in Ireland or something. But hey, it is what it is. She's your champ. She's still your champ. Shayna Baszler, where do you go from here with her? You can't really say. I guess when it comes to Shayna, it, it's it's curtains for Shayna. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of it. Like, that's all she wrote on Shayna. Uh, she'll still be labeled a killer, but clearly they just showed you she's not going to be women's champion, uh, at least not anytime soon, unless Vince changes his mind or whatever. So get your shovel ready, folks. Because we saw tonight, Shayna Baszler, she's officially buried. And once again, what Triple H builds, Vince McMahon kills. Therefore, as you know, it's a wrap on that. Now, speaking of championships, let's go straight into this Universal Championship. Goldberg versus Braun Strowman. I had an interesting bet with a friend, and and we both were going back and forth to say, okay, how long do you think this match will last? I said five minutes. He said three. Turns out I was right. It lasted five minutes. Is it a shock to anyone? No, not at all. What gets me is how Goldberg started the match like he was actually about to do something outside of just do numerous, numerous spears. Yet somehow, quick little tie-up, tie kick to the gut, throw into the turnbuckle, a couple little things, and then before you know it, you know it, spear, 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 pinfall, kick out, possible jackhammer, and picked up for power slam. Power slammed about four times. Cover, one, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your new universal champion is Braun Motherfreaking Strowman. 
folks, this is about two to three to four years too late. Is there anything cool about Braun Strowman whatsoever? No, there isn't. Not one thing. Not one thing. And please tell me, please someone explain to me, how do you go from being literally IC champion not even a few weeks ago to now just that quickly you're the universal champion? When Goldberg was going against Roman Reigns, it was obvious that Roman Reigns was going to win. In this instance, the fact that Strowman won, I don't get that. I really don't. I don't get it. I mean, he didn't get a, a rematch for the IC title against Sami Zayn, whom he had just lost and feuded with. That feud never really came to a full end. But apparently it did when Sami Zayn beat him for that championship. All of a sudden, by default, you put Goldberg against big man Braun, and Braun wins in five minutes. Someone please explain to me what was the point of that? Strowman, his championship reign is not going to last. Assuming, well, you know, this virus, this this pandemic, if you will, assuming it doesn't continually go on for a matter of months and weeks, when things get back to a semi-norm, Strowman's going to be a universal champion. But we all know that he's just going to lose the title to Roman. Because, you know, that's the guy that's supposed to have that championship right now. Paper champion. That's what Braun is. He's a paper champion. And not the fact that they just put that man over in commentary. Oh, oh, who's going to stop this man? Oh, oh, my God. Who's going to stop this man with the championship? Oh, my God. Ah, oh, my God. Big Braun. Raw, Big Braun. Ah. Who cares? <laughs> Seriously. Who cares? We all know this man is going to lose this championship in a matter of weeks, months, as soon as this corona stuff is over, he's losing the title to Roman. Easily. So, and then where do you go from there? Because once Roman beats him, then what? What's going to happen after that point? Who's Roman going to feud with? Sheamus? Drew, Brock, I don't know. Who's he going to feud with after that? You get what I'm saying? This is the problem with WWE, man. Because when they bring people like Goldberg from the past in, you know that the moment they win a title, they're not going to hold on to it long because they're part-timers. And then they lose to the obvious choice. And then that obvious choice has no one to go against because you're not building anyone. Oh, boy. Okay. Congratulations, Braun. You won something in a matter of time that was really too late for anyone to ever really care about it. And then you have the nerve to go on Twitter, thank Goldberg, thank WWE, and thank all of your supporters. If you are a supporter of Braun Strowman in this championship run, I swear, I am going to hang this podcast up on you. Because there's no way you're going to tell me you realistically love Braun Strowman. He was cool a couple of years ago, sure. But the man is watered down now. He's, he's so not cool. I don't, I don't rock with it. So, and he doesn't even need the championship. But now that he's got it, he's, he's the first person I know of to win an IC title and a WWE title in a matter of weeks to where that not only discredits both championships in a way, but it kind of discredits his reign because no one's going to really remember his IC title run and no one darn sure is going to remember his universal championship run. 
You think people are going to look 10, 15, 20 years from now and say, oh, Braun Strowman, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, he's the former Intercontinental Champion. And didn't he beat, uh, who did he beat for that Universal title? Goldberg, right? Yeah, yeah, I that was an epic five-minute match. Boy, it was a five-minute classic at a WrestleMania with no fans. You see what I mean, people? How dumb does that sound? Coming out of my mouth. So please tell me, there's nothing memorable about this championship reign that's coming. And we all know Ron Strowman is not going to hold on to this championship. So that being said, it is what it is. So I'm going to move on now, and we're going to talk about pretty much what everybody's talking about at this point. This gosh darn Boneyard match. Well, before we get to that, because there was another title that was apparently on the line that we didn't even know was going to be on the, on the line. The doggone 24-7 championship. Yes, there was a quick little segment there where Gronkowski literally elbows Charles Truth, knocks him down, attempts to pin him, one, two, Mojo Rowley, Pulls off his best friend, need I mind you. Pulls him off. Pins Truth, one, two, three. And once again, has won this darn, this doggone 24-7 championship. It just continues the hot potato between R-Truth, Mojo Riley. I guess they forgot completely about the, the, the what, what was the guy's name? Riddick? Riddick Moss? Yeah, who? I don't know. That guy. What happened to him after he lost that title? Where is he now? Is he now? Nowhere to be found? Have you seen him? Have you heard him? Do you even know who he is? No. Nobody does. I don't. You don't. And nobody cares. But he lost that title to Truth. Truth just lost his title to... Mojo Raleigh and Gronkowski tried to win the title. So I'm going to guess based off of what just happened here, come part two tomorrow, tomorrow night, it's going to be another little segment. Truth's going to probably win the title back. Matter of fact, Gronk is probably going to win that title for Mojo. Then Truth is going to find a way to win it back and then go about his business. End of story. That's usually how that goes with this doggone title. But nobody really cares. That is what it is. I love you, Truth. I love our Truth. I love him when he has that title. But I don't. But I don't love that title. So it is what it is. It's a joke. Life's a joke. Life's a botch. You know how I go. You know how I do. You know where we're going with this. It is what it is. Moving on to this boneyard match now. Man, what can I say about this? We have so much to say. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, on this edition of low third budget swap meet movies, brought to you by, by WWE Agenda Studios, we have One Last Ride, starring Mark Undertaker, American Badass Calloway. Co-starring the likes of A.J. Styles, Luke Edward Gallows, Carl Stanley Anderson, and some random graveyard on an offsite in Tampa, Florida that you guys will probably never ever see again in your natural born life. Welcome to this edition of One Last Ride, starring Undertaker, Mark Badass American Calloway. Totally botched that, by the way, but it is what it is, because life's a botch. All right, this Boneyard match, or shall, or shall I say Graveyard match, spoiler, yeah, I did say it again. Who let the cow out of the bag? This guy. Graveyard match. Not a boneyard, people. A graveyard. Yeah. Graveyard. 
this match, if you even want to call it a match, it was a movie. It was a it was a, a cinematic match, if you will. Had movie like feels to it. You see Undertaker's music. You see the the the, the little background creepy noise. Then you see the little uh, funeral car and you hear the Undertaker's music and you're thinking, oh, okay, that's Taker. Wrong. AJ Styles pops out. Then they do a little freeze frame and you see a little font that says AJ Styles in a movie form. AJ Styles is out. He's talking trash. Next thing he knows, he's hearing the revving of a bike and a motorcycle running down the road and he's like smiling saying, ah, he's here. He's here. Ah, I'm here and I'm here too. I can't believe I'm here, but darn it, I'm here. And I'm watching this low-budget rip-off bite of Matt Hardy and the Hardy compound. But hey, it is what it is. The Boneyard match. Looks like Taker has uh, some new American Badass theme music because we hear some rock and roll theme music from a band I do not know and I probably will not try to look up for you guys because I don't know who it was. But I just know they play this music, this rock music. He comes out, and I'm not gonna lie, this this was this was kind of fire. It was the best. It was definitely the best part of this entire show, mainly because it was filmed somewhere that was not in an empty arena with no fans, you know. And that's another thing. But I'll get to that at the end of the show in my final thoughts. But this graveyard match, this boneyard match. It was like literally watching a third-budget, low-budget movie. Albeit the quality was nice, it was great, still had a very low-budget feel. I mean, the acting in it was horrible, but it's because they're acting in character as wrestlers and not actual actors, so it was what it was. As they're wrestling, doing what they do, it was cool. I mean, I was, you know, I, I commend what AJ Styles and Taker did. Not the typical match of the Undertaker at Mania. Hell, not the typical match of AJ Styles at a Mania. But what can you say? What can you do? Cinematic matches. One thing that I do kind of admire about them, they're different. They don't really traditionally go the way a, a wrestling match goes nor do they traditionally act the way a traditional wrestling match would act. You don't have a ring announcer. You don't have a referee. You don't have crowds. You don't have, you know, a fan base. None of that. It's just kind of like you're out in the open. You're doing whatever, and it's like watching a movie. Now, ultimately, as expected, the Undertaker came out victorious. He ended up winning this match, albeit again, it was very, very uh, hybrid-like. It was like, it was mostly American Badass Taker, yet there were some shades of Dead Man Taker in there a little bit. Maybe to some degree, even Ministry of Darkness Taker. I'm not going to lie when I say Undertaker was literally Clint Eastwood in this movie or a cinematic match. He was literally, I felt like I was watching, you know, <laughs> get off my lawn, you know? Uh, I felt like I was watching Old Yeller or, or, or one of these doggone just, you know, again, like Logan or the Terminator, you know, the last Terminator where Schwarzenegger was like super old and, cre and decrepit. You know, or 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 the the forgettable final Rambo movie that you know Sylvester Stallone did. You know, I don't know. It just it was it was very interesting watching this. It was it was the best part part of the show as a whole. Yet it had corny feels to it, while also it was still pretty entertaining. It was pretty different. It obviously did something right because it was the most talked about segment on the entire. Twitter feed, I think Wrestling Observer or maybe it was Bleacher Report or one of those wrestling uh, sites actually gave it a five star. I don't know why, 
I wouldn't necessarily give it that. Maybe more like a four and a half, maybe even a four star. I wouldn't give that a five star because, again, it wasn't originality. Yes, it told a story. Yes, it was very cinematic. Yes, I felt like I was watching a movie for real. And like Undertaker did a real good job playing a Clint Eastwood, Bruce Willis, you know, Sylvester Stallone type, you know, someone that's on their last legs, you know, showing that they still got it to the young buck that's trying to like, you know, act all cocky and whatnot and talk trash. You know, AJ Styles definitely did a good job in that role that he was playing. Now, again, is this one of the Undertaker's best matches? No. Yes, it felt good to see American Badass Taker come back. Some would argue he should have came back a few years ago. No better time than now, I guess. But still, was this a classic? Nah, not in my view. It was good. It was different. But it was weird. Not as weird as the rest of the card, but weird in a way that it was just okay. You know, like, this is what we're doing. Now, I am happy on a positive note that this decided to main event the show and not Goldberg versus Braun Strowman. Had that main evented, I think I probably would have cut it off the moment the match because I already would have known the turnout of it. But who's to say? This Boneyard match, though, it was okay. Again, Undertaker, when you think about the classic WrestleMania matches he had with Shawn Michaels back-to-back, Triple H back-to-back, and you think think about, you know, just some of his, his classic WrestleMania matches, looking at this Boneyard match, albeit it was different compared to all of his history of WrestleMania matches, this was definitely different. I enjoyed the trash talk. Even Taker, Taker was talking trash. I mean, it was pretty dope. You know, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, you know, it had, it had you know, cool little moments in there. Even some little corny background, background fighting Western-like music and dramatic music and effects and stuff like, stuff like that. It was cool. I see where they tried to go with that. My issue overall, though, is just, eh, y'all could have did better. And you know you could have did better. But it is what it is. Albeit, Matt Hardy posted up a tweet. Because the moment this match was going down, he literally said in, said in the following words, <laughs> my Twitter exploded. I am humbled, humbled. I am thankful for all of what you, what you guys have shown me and reached out and told me. And I just want to say that, yes, I started a new world with this broken cinematic universe, much like I did, like the TLC match. And he took credit. For the fact that WWE is basically biting what he started, what he created, a new form of wrestling entertainment. And I'm not going to lie. After seeing that, can I be real with y'all? Can I be real? After seeing that match, I think I'm just going to make a whole playlist of all these all these little cinematic matches. So I'm going I'm to I'm go to Lucha Underground and pull up all the little cutscenes from Lucha Underground. You know, to those of you who remember Lucha Underground, you remember how cinematic it was. Not the matches, but more so just the cutscenes in between the matches. You know, before the show, during the show, after the show, stuff like that. I want to take all of those, put that in one big old chop. Then I want to take all of what Matt Hardy did in TNA with the Hardy compound and all of that. And when broken, broken Matt Hardy was born, you know, I want to take that. I want to take the house of horrors match that Bray Wyatt had with Randy Orton. I want to take the little, whatever that match was between the new day and, and the Wyatt family, even though that really wasn't a, a match that was just a brawl, but it was, a, but it was in a cinematic form. I want to take that. I want to take hell. What, we're probably going to see a spit mirror image of tomorrow night with John Cena, Cena and Bray Wyatt. I want to take that too. And I want to just basically take all of that and just binge watch and just watch all these little cinematic movies. And then maybe in the future, I will take all of these, watch them in a playlist form and then review it for you guys right afterwards. How about that? Overall, let me just say, that 
I feel like WWE really could have just did with Mania what they did with this Boneyard match. Instead of making every match in the ring, you could have really just found a way to do more of what you did with that, you know? You could have did more cinematic field styled stuff. I feel like if you would have did that, this would have been a more enjoyable show. You know, make it feel more like a movie than just an awkward sports entertainment set of matches with no crowd, no audience, just commentary, wrestlers talking trash, and a big ceiling fan that's in, you know, the performance center warehouse. So I want to just basically say that, that <laughs> this mania is definitely forgettable, yet it's memorable for the wrong reasons. So there's a combination here where you're going to remember it, but you're not going rem to remember it like you remember a WrestleMania 17, a WrestleMania 19 and 18, a 15, a 15 an 11, a 23, a 21. You get my drift, people? You're not really going to, you know, a WrestleMania 30. You're not going to remember this WrestleMania like previous WrestleManias. Why? Because there was no crowd at all. No pyro. No special guest performances. And hell, you really didn't even have any McMahons except for Stephanie. You do you get what I'm saying? So so all in all, y'all. <laughs> should I really rate this WrestleMania? I don't I don't think it's fair to the talent. I'm not even gonna do that. I'm not gonna give a rating for this WrestleMania WrestleMania. I'm not. I don't wanna do the talent like that. I respect the talent for what they did given what's currently going on. And because of that, I commend commend you guys for going out there and at least trying to put together something. Some of y'all look like y'all gave y'all all, and some of y'all just kind of did it. Some of them, some of y'all that was out there kind of looked, looked like y'all were just doing doing what you were doing just to say you did it so you could go, go home and just quarantine and wait for the, you know, life to get back to civilization, you know? But uh, I won't rate it. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say this was not the greatest show in the world. However, let's see what happens tomorrow night on part two. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, that's kind of my time. And all I got to say is tune in until the next night when I do the post-show post and the preview show for part two tomorrow night. Ladies and gentlemen, you have officially been botched. <laughs>